Vouchers are just about segregation. It's about segregating the have and the have nots. Spock used to say this thing, right? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. This is the one area where I think it's the opposite. It's the needs of the few are driving the needs of the many. Produced by Podcast Architects. Welcome back to another episode of The Path Forward. We're here in Dallas, Texas, TechSedCon 2023. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Fernandez. I got a friend of the show, guest, superintendent, extraordinaire, Dr. Michael Cardona San Marcos Consolidated Independent School District. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me once again. The most outspoken superintendent, the most transparent with his words. We're going to dig into the big topics while we're here. And we're, we're upon a possible legislative session. Um, and the big topic is school choice, vouchers. I want, your, I want your perspective. Give me your take. Well, okay. Well, first, let's distinguish between school choice and vouchers. Uh, there are politicians who are framing this school choice as the civil rights issue of the 21st century, but the general public needs to understand school choice has been around. It's already, yeah. Yeah, it's been around forever, you know. Uh, I'm a 31-year servant in public school education, but not a lot of people know that I'm a K-12 product of private education. So I went through the private school system in the 70s and 80s uh, in San Antonio, Texas. So my, my mother and father exerted their choice in the 70s and 80s. So. It's a little bit perturbing when politicians use the term school choice. This isn't about school choice. This is about vouchers. And uh, we can talk more about vouchers and, and what they are. They're a handout, um, plain and simple. As someone who went to a very conservative university with maroon and white, I would say that uh, conservatism and vouchers don't equate. Explain that, though, because if I'm on the other side, right, arguing for it, I'm giving an opportunity for students to choose and to, to help with that cost of tuition to the private school of their choice or another school of their choice. How is that not choice? So let, let's talk about let's talk about the dollars. Okay. Right. So let's take my favorite politician who will remain nameless, who has three children, four children, I believe, product of A&M. He's a very outspoken proponent of of vouchers but he has he has four kids so let's just use him as an example he right. lives in a school district and he pays property tax and if the assumption is that that's their money that money is theirs that school choice money that's property tax money sure. um, on the high end let's say he pays fifteen thousand dollars a year only for school right. taxes for district ta yeah yeah that's not reasonable that's really not what happens. But let's say that that does, $15,000, right? And the proposition that we've heard a lot about is $8,000 per kid. He has four kids and he wants to put them all in private school. He wants to make that choice. That's $32,000 in voucher money that he's, he's going to get. Now, he paid $15,000 for that year in property tax and he's getting $32,000 a year for scholarships for his four children. Where is the other $17,000 coming from? because it's not his money. It's not his money. And, and you know, there's a difference between, you know, a private school and a public good. And the constitution 
of the United States of Texas is pretty specific. You know, Article 7 talks about what the state of Texas should be doing. And I'm not opposed to vouchers. Let's just all play by the same rule, right? Let, you know, I've given propositions. I've given get rid of testing, you know, get rid of the testing we don't need. We only have to do testing for federal requirements. Mm -hmm. And if that's even an issue, then get rid of the federal requirement. I mean, they, they contribute, what, $6 billion a year to the state of Texas, whatever that number is. Right. Let's just not take federal money. Right. Let the state fund that six billion dollars. We already know they're not funding special ed to the tune of two billion a year. So they're not already meeting their Christian obligations. OK, as many of them. That's another argument. Right. They're Christian politicians. They say um, we should we should not be worrying about giving money to Christian secular schools. Um, yet, you know, public school systems are indoctrinating kids. But literally, as a product of private education, you are indoctrinated into one religion. Uh, and so this indoctrination thing is really funny, but uh, there's ways to solve the issue if we make it fair. And I think what, what bothers superintendents is it's not a fair system. They've already said private schools will not have to take special education children. They already said it's in the bill that they wrote initially yes. that bilingual students would not, if a private school didn't want a, a kid who didn't speak English, they wouldn't have to take them. How, how is that you know, a fair policy? You're gonna give a private school $8,000 that's unaccountable. And then the crazy thing is the governor has come out and said, he's gonna create another department to manage this voucher system. I'm like, wait, we're a conservative state that doesn't believe in big government, but we're gonna make it bigger to promote a segregation tool because vouchers are just about segregation. Now, people get bristle when you say that word segregation, but it's about segregating kids. Now, segregation nowadays isn't about race, but it is about economics. A hundred percent about economics. And this is gonna benefit those kids whose families already made a choice, right? This is an entitlement to a group of parents, you know, at rich affluent schools that will get their $8,000 back per kid you know, it's a thank you for the choices that they've made. But this really isn't about helping the education system. It's not about improving the education system. It's not about making the system better for everybody. It's about segregating the have and the have nots. What I don't understand and what I think is even even if you are 100 percent, you agree with the governor and you agree that that's, that's what's needed. What I'm missing is we love to tout and I'm very proud very proud Texan, and I am proud that Texas is a draw for business and industry because mm -hmm. I think that's going to provide jobs oh, for our communities and our, and our kids. At some point, if you cripple your education system, whether intentionally or unintentionally, those businesses will stop coming here. Those businesses will go elsewhere because there is no workforce. And if your school systems cannot support those businesses that will bring families and they're not going to come here, you're going to lose the ability to be you know, a haven for innovation and growth and Tesla and all these other companies that want to be here. Uh, I think that they're, they're short-sighted with that piece of it. They'll leave. All of those people that, that make the decisions that the, these companies, they'll get out of town and go find somewhere else. Yeah, you, you mentioned Tesla. That's an interesting topic, right? Tesla, you know, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but Elon Musk is a South African, right? <laughs> he came from a segregated system. Yes. He came from the ruling class. so. His perspective is very different, right? In South Africa, you have Afrikaner schools, 
where you have, you know, whites that can only be taught by whites. You have blacks who speak Afrikaner who can only be taught by whites, but blacks cannot teach whites, right? So his, his, his frame of reference is very, he's got a lot of power mm -hmm. and he carries a lot of weight in the state of Texas, but he's a big proponent of these pod systems, right? We hear a lot about these pod systems and you saw it play out during COVID where these families with small, form small groups of pods, pull their money right. and then pay for a teacher, which is part of this impetus, right? This get kids out. But again, it's segregation, right? We're pulling kids out of the system. And you, um, I'm a big science fiction guy, right? I used to watch Star Trek a lot. And Spock used to say this thing, right? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. This is the one area where I think it's the opposite. <laughs> it's the needs of the few are driving the needs of the many, yeah. right? We have a great workforce in Texas. And a lot of that is produced by public school systems, right? And if you're, you're going to use the argument that public school systems are failing, well, then you need to look in the mirror as a politician because you created the accountability system that we reflect. So we are a reflection of their policies, right? CTE, you were a former superintendent, you were a high school principal. You know, there was a time when we moved away from industry-based certifications. Yes. You know, George Bush, No Child Left Behind, which left millions of kids behind because everybody was supposed to go to college. And then the business community got pissed off and came in and said, what are you doing to help our workforce? Yep. And so then we went back. And so then school systems adapted. And then TA commissioner got upset because school systems adapted. And we all bought into the governor's 20 by 30. 60% of students need to have some kind of industry-based certification, military, or go to college. We bought into that. We believed in that. It's good for kids. And once we met it, then the TEA commissioner said, that's great you met it. Now I'm gonna change your, your guidelines for a group of kids after they graduated. And so there's this narrative around school systems failing to push this voucher issue, but it's the system that's created this, right? It's the system that we're following that has created this narrative of now, oh, we need to get, we need to get parents choice. They got choice, they have choice. Your former suit, you, had, you know the 15 different PEG, school safety, academic accountability. You know, we all have the different forms of school choice. This really is a not conservative policy. And for most reasonable conservative Texans, I don't understand why they haven't been more vocal in opposition to this. This is about outside people coming in to influence the state of Texas, and we're proud of our state. And I've been tweeting a lot about this. Don't Arizona our Texas. Yeah. The, the voucher policy right now is written, is based on Arizona's policy, and it's a miserable failure right now. They just had two of their higher ups mysteriously resign because $288 million, $288 million of money in the voucher system disappeared. That's what we're talking about moving to and we're much larger than Arizona. Like this is madness. Like it's it's madness. So, what's the what's the solution on the, on the pieces we can control? Like if we're school districts, and obviously, uh, other than voting, what are our options? What what do we do to make sure that this type of event doesn't happen? Well, I, I think besides the voting, which is is going to be too late, it's inundating the politicians in each area sure. to exert pressure. And honestly, the business community needs to step in 
and say like, this is not good for business. Like what you're getting ready to do is not good for business. You know, the problem is politicians right now see education as a cost and they don't see the money as an investment. And we have no problem in the state of Texas. I think the last time I looked, spending $27,000 a year to house an inmate. We don't, we don't bat an eye about that. But yet we're talking about funding, just fund us to the national average. Yes. Just fund us to the national average. But we tell, we tell, you know, how much the, the budget has for education has gone up. Um, but we're still at the bottom, almost the bottom. 43rd. I mean, we're that, 43rd in the state, in the United States of funding our school system. And our teacher pay is like 46. Something about that it do, doesn't doesn't hold water. You can't be the most business intensive want to be on the cutting edge innovative and yet your 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 system that's going to provide the jobs and the, and the know-how is at the bottom of yeah. resources and it, make no mistake you know we're talking about k-12 public ed the next vouchers for colleges and universities oh 100%. right because they've targeted you know the uts and the a&ms you know for their I mean, when A&M is getting targeted for woke ideologies, there's a problem <laughs> with that. Like, you know, it, it, it's a problem. And, you know, that's next. It's going to be next. Well, we're going to give you $8,000 so you can go to your SMU or, or wherever. That's, that's It's never enough. And, you know, some of the politicians who are really big proponents of this are not Texan. They're not Texan. Right. They don't represent Texas values. Uh, and at, at the end of the day, 20 years from now, we're going to be regretting some of these decisions if they go if they go through. I want your your take on a possible solution to stem the tide. And I, being on the private side now, I get a whole different perspective of how things work and where the needs are. Could we, should we not lean so heavy into career in tech and business intern partners apprenticeship and not not superficial right not you know hey you come to class every once in a while or you help us cut a ribbon or even you donate something you like those are things are great and we're going to hopefully continue to be able to do that but it has to be a more intimate connection where our businesses are are part of guiding the school part of guiding our curriculum they have a different type of investment in what we're doing than than we do now because once once there's that, once they not only have the relationship, but can help us guide the workforce and, and meet the goals, and then they can take that workforce and put it directly to use, then you have, all right, no one's going to want to, to tamper with because they, they've got a, they got a stake in the game. They can, they can help us guide what it looks like and, and how we need to evolve. I heard somebody, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. Say, well, you know, education is always 10 years behind the curve. Say, well, it shouldn't be, and we don't have to be. I mean, I, can we not use our, our programming and our business partners to a, to a higher degree? Because I, I think they would welcome it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think at the end of the day, though, until the state removes accountability as the measures that they have, there's, there's a a built-in wall that keeps businesses out. I ask all our business people, come in and come in and write our curriculum. Like you come in and write. And that involves a lot of local control, right? And mm -hmm. that would involve politicians 
you know, having to give something up and somebody's going to lose in that. Right. And right now, testing, the testing system would lose billions yes. if we were to move away from that system. I 100 percent agree with that. I think local communities should determine what their curriculum is to get their people ready to be, I, I say college confident, career and military ready, right? That San Marcos community should make that determination with our chamber, with our greater San Marcos partnership, with our universities. We should be developing that, but that would require somebody else to lose something. And that's the problem. Nobody wants to lose anything. And it's an easy solve. I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Get rid of the testing, you know, and um, or just test us for what's required by federal and then let us reinvest that money into what you're talking about. And that's bring business in to help us rewrite our curriculum to get kids ready. The one thing the state did do, you know, I don't really talk about TEA a lot, but the one thing they really did do when they moved the testing to ninth, 10th and one test in the 11th grade is they did give us the ability as a school systems to rewrite their 11th and 12th grade curriculums. Mm -hmm. We can use the standards, we can incorporate the standards, but I agree we should be, English should be technical writing. It should be bringing businesses in to help us write resumes, help us write letters of reference, help us write what college essays, whatever it is, but yet we still teach the same standards with Macbeth or Shakespeare, or whatever, as juniors and seniors and the kids suffer for it. What is it we don't have the right businesses making the request? Like if we had, you mentioned Tesla, if we had Tesla, if we had Exxon, if we had yeah. uh, some of our energy sector and they said, hey, TEA, this is what we want to do mm -hmm. and, and I, we need you all to adjust and, or else. I got one better, all those CEOs of, Exxon and Marathon Oil and out in Midland, Odessa, if they just said, hey, governor, unless you change your policies, you're not getting $5 million from us. Right. You need to do what we want to do in the state of Texas. It's going to benefit kids in the state of Texas. The problem is some of those billionaires in oil and gas are the ones pushing vouchers because they own private schools. Yeah. So they have figured out the steady income stream is the school system. And you hate to say that, but that's what it is. It's a few brothers in Midland, Odessa, who own private schools that exert an enormous amount of pressure on the governor and lieutenant governor to do what they wanna do, not for the benefit of kids in Texas, it's for the benefit of the kids that they serve, the businesses that they own. So we, we paint a bleak picture here, <laughs> that's all right. Um, schools have conquered an, an, an unbelievable amount of adversity, right? COVID, we've seen every iteration of test, tax, team, star. I gotta think that we'll figure out a way. Yeah. And how do we, whatever they, whatever the, the deck reshuffling is for, for A through F, through whatever the, the budget becomes, what do we have to keep doing to serve our students best? We just need to keep iterating and adapting. You know, many years ago it was charters, right? That was, the, that was what was gonna save kids in poverty. And charters proliferated in the state of Texas because people were making money off of them. And at the end of the day, charters really didn't do anything differently. 
they do the same thing with a group of kids like privates whose parents want to be there. But I, I will say that until education systems as a whole iterate and adapt quicker, you know, you talked about this lag time, um, that that's going to be it's going to be bleak because we don't change ourselves we'll always be at the mercy correct. because we can't evolve quick enough correct and we don't have a we don't have we should have the pulse of what industry is doing and we don't correct that is the hardest and as much as we have as our teachers you know they're the, they're the the boots on the ground the champions and as much as we talk about feedback and how how do we appraise and what's fair and what's a great teacher part of that 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 learning and part of that professional development whether it be from the university or the district it's got to be about how we're accelerating our ability to change correct and if we can't do that which is the heart of one of the hardest things to being a human we can't do that it, it's going to be very difficult university same way yeah what do they say what's the old saying churches and education systems are the <laughs> slowest to change right they are the slowest and you know you hate to admit it I hate to admit it, we are in a market-based economy right now, market-based school system. And, you know, our teachers are market-based people now. If they don't build their program, if they don't adapt their program, parents will. Parents are smart. They will pull their kids out. We saw after COVID that parents made choices that they realized they no longer need our educational system. And yet we had a chance in a crisis to, to do things differently and we're trying to come back to the average. Exactly. We, let's go back to normal. Yes. There, that's never coming back. Yep. Whether whether we like it or not, it's yep. never coming back. Um, last question for you. Aspiring administrator, someone that's coming up through the ranks and, and, and going through some things that are that are unprecedented in education. What's the advice to them? What should they be focusing on? Is it the same thing that, that most preparation programs or leadership, like what do they need to be really be focusing on as they come up the ranks? Um, I think ultimately if they keep the kid at the forefront of their decision-making right or wrong, um, they'll be a better leader. If they keep the kid at the forefront, if they listen to the kid, if they use student voice, I mean, I've learned a lot from my kids. I mean, my 50 student leadership advisory council kids, are helping us solve issues that they're tired of dealing with. They're tired of dealing with vaping. Yep. They're tired of dealing with stuff. Like they're solving the problems quicker than our adults can. They're like, put badge readers in the restroom. We're putting badge readers. Like this is coming from kids. And so I think as an aspiring leader, listen to the kids. They, they're quicker and adapting. They want the majority of kids um, want their teachers to be successful. Yes. They're very protective of their teachers but they want the nonsense gone and they just want to be prepared to be able to do what they want to do when they graduate, yes. not what we want them to do, what they want to do. Hardest thing that, that for anybody, but particularly our educators, is to educate kids from a perspective of your own education, your own experience, because we're all products of our own experiences, is to not do that, not think, I learned it this way, I was taught this way, I, because their experience is going to be so vastly different. It's got to be what do they need, and if I'm deficient in giving them that, how do I, how do I get better? Correct. Kids just they're faster than us, yeah. yep. and they get bored quicker than us. <laughs> most, most. Yeah. I don't know some superintendents, man. <laughs> some superintendents can stay ahead of the game, but not many. And kids are just smarter. They adapt and iterate quick, a lot faster. Quick, so. very quick. Well, hey, 
thank you for your time. I appreciate Always it. Always fun. I knew you're going to give me the, the real deal. So I, I see. I didn't name any names. Just a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, that's a governor's a governor. <laughs> yeah. There's the only one of him. So that's the other thing about leadership, right? Yeah. You're pushing it. You got to own it. Yeah. So he doesn't get to, he doesn't get to back away from this issue. It's too late now. It's all that's in. Right. He's, He's all, all in. in. So thank you. Thank right. you for being here, man. All right, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Produced by Podcast Architects.